Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everyone, a six-year-old HISD student went missing at dismissal, but who is to blame? Plus, what's the fuss about the Colony Ridge development? And a local bakery becomes a victim of gentrification. Dynamic media personality Antrichel Nova and Pulitzer Prize finalist Evan Mintz join me to recap these stories and more. It's Friday, November 3rd, 2023. I'm Raheel Ramzanali, and here's what Houston's talking about. Okay, I've gotten so many opinions about the best sandwich in Houston already after we published our episode on Wednesday. So I need to get y'all's. Andrew Shell, where is the best sandwich in Houston? Come on. I, you know, listen, good morning. I wish I could be of help here. How many sandwiches? What? <laughs> y'all, I'm serious. I don't eat sandwiches like that. Chalk it up to childhood trauma. I don't know. I don't like a sandwich. I hate it. I'm not eating them. I'm not paying no money to make some meat, cheese, and bread together. No, I'm not doing it. Wait, what is a childhood trauma from a sandwich? I got to get that story. Yeah. Because all my life, I knew I was bougie and I'd like the finer things in life. So when I was served a sandwich <laughs> for lunch, I was mad. So I don't eat sandwiches, team. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. I mean, there are some really bougie sandwiches out there. You can really live the best part of your life and enjoy a good sandwich. This is, I'm shocked right now. I'll be honest with you. I had no idea that there's a person out there who doesn't eat sandwiches. And I found one and that's Aunt Shell. (laughs) It's me. No, I'm not eating a sandwich. No, thank you. I'm I'm not doing it. I, I don't I don't even subscribe to like Panera or Subway. None of the above. Like all of that stuff is like I am not eating it. No, thank you. There's there's like bougie sandwiches, you know. Okay. You could do like a fancy grilled cheese with like truffle cheese and like some apples and some hot honey on it. Like that's fancy. That's no. nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. Evan, you got to help me out. Where is your favorite sandwich in Houston? Oh, obviously, the number one place to go for a sandwich is a deli. And the best deli in Houston is Kenny and Ziggy's. I would recommend the number four, Give Me Liberty or Give Me Schmaltz. It is chopped liver pastrami with Russian dressing on rye. It is a classic. It is excellent. You cannot get chopped liver anywhere else in Houston. It's so hard to come by. You've got to get it. The good thing about Kenny and Ziggy's is that you better take out a mortgage as well because it is expensive, though high quality. I will give you that. I know you're going to step in here and say, but it is expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a sometimes meal. This is like a corporate expense meal, but it's also two meals. Like you're going to bring home your leftovers and that's your second lunch the next day. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like that one. Okay, let's go to our biggest story of the week. And Trishel, start us off. What do you got? Y'all. 
oh my gosh, what is happening? Now y'all know I have been giving lots of love to my son's school, which is an HISD. And I've also been keeping up with things that are happening, but a mother sent her six-year-old son to school. She went to pick him up from Whitby Elementary to find out they can't find him. Not only can they not find him, he's a car rider. Somebody allowed him to get on the Metro bus. This mother is going crazy. She is demanding HISD do something about their go home process. You know, that exporting process where they're getting kids to the bus, they're letting kids walk and getting their kids to the car. How in the world did this happen? And it keeps happening. Thank goodness the child is at home safe with his mother, a passerbyer in a nearby neighborhood, found the little boy like a mile away from the school and returned him back. But oh my God, can you imagine? And what are we going to do about this? Because it keeps happening. Now, the school did say the reason this one happened was because there was a new staff member helping with dismissal, which why is a new staff member helping? Like, you got to get somebody that's experienced because I'm with you. It's hectic during dismissal process. You've got the car rider pickups. You've got the walkers. You've got the bikers. And you got to make sure everyone gets to the right spot. So there is a reason why it happened in this case. And then the other part, real quickly before Evan jumps in. How did the Metro bus driver just let the kid on? Like, why didn't he or she, you know, pick up a red flag here? Like, why is there a six-year-old by himself jumping on the Metro? But you guys, if the kids are in a cluster and they're all jumping on, it's all going to look like the same, right? But facts it remains. I don't care if it's a new person. What is the training, you know, like to just say, okay, you're new, go out there. It's not that simple. You need to learn processes. And this is what this parent is looking for. We need to change the process. We need to change the process, guys. You know, I don't know how often something like this happens, but given everything going on in HISD and all of the chaotic changes happening, you've got to wonder whether this is just another crack developing in the facade as the new takeover team just seems to have no idea what they're doing. They are changing things every day. The teachers don't feel protected. They don't know what's going on. You know, like the buck's got to stop at the top and they're not taking responsibility for anything. So Evan, I will step in here and let's discuss this. Does the takeover have anything to do with a dismissal process, right? Like this is a school by school case. They've been working on these. And I I don't Mm -hmm. know if that has anything to do with it or if this was just an honest mistake, right? Think about how many students are sent home every single day. And one incident is too much. I agree. But think about all the students that do get home, right? Like this was maybe just an honest mistake. No, I I think that very well could be it. And I'd like to see, you know, what trend patterns are over time of problems like this happening. But if you're a teacher and you're trying to pay attention to every single student, you're trying to make sure the dismissal process is going properly and you've got all these other things going on in the back of your mind, you've got all this pressure put on you from the top rather than feeling support. It feels like it's easier for mistakes to be made in that sort of circumstance. But you guys keep saying like an honest mistake, like, oh, I'm sorry, I just switched up your sandwich. This is somebody's kid. Y'all got kids, real. Honest mistake for real, they can't find your baby? You gonna be called? No, I'm with you. 
but that it, it's not okay. a mistake that they're like, oh, you know what? We're just careless with it. And this happened. I get it. Like I've had issues where my daughter's is a walker, right? So she walks over across the street. And one time she stayed in the car lane and the teachers are like, well, she's not here. And I'm like, okay, well, what can we do about this? Like my daughter is not here. And it turns out she went over to the wrong lane and the teachers didn't see the tag on the back. And it was an honest mistake. It wasn't like somebody's being you know, rude about it or like, no, you, you know what? You're not going here. It happens and it sucks. Like this is the worst thing ever to go there and your child isn't there. You go in a panic and luckily this all worked out like it did with ours. But what happened here, right? Like it, we found the solution. We know what it is. It was a new staff member who made the mistake. I remember when I was little and I did karate classes and one day the karate dojo or whatever it was like happened to be closed instead of having my normal class. My mom dropped me off and I walked up to the door and it was closed and she'd driven off as she does every day. Uh, and I just had to kind of like sit there for 45 minutes and wait for her to show up. Mistakes happen, you know, at every level. And you just kind of hope that this is just one of those mistakes that happens. Agreed. And the school did apologize. They did own up to the mistake, by the way. So you hope that they learn from it and other schools revisit their dismissal process as well, because this is a reminder that these mistakes could lead to something bigger and more dangerous. Luckily, in this case, everything worked out. Evan, how about you? What is your biggest story of the week? Oh, the biggest story of the week is that the TMC Helix finally opened, formerly known as the TMC3, is a giant structure of new buildings in the medical center uh, that has been in the works for years. It is a massive 37-acre campus. It's got some public parks built into it. But what really stands out at how is it a collaborative uh, work by Texas A&M, by the Texas Medical Center, by the University of Texas, by MD Anderson. And it's not just hospitals, and it's not just researchers too, but it's investors. Portal Innovations is going to be there. The TMC Venture Fund is going to be there. And as we look at the medical center as this critical economic engine of our region, you know, sometimes people don't want to admit that a lot of the work they do is downstream of other industries. If oil and gas goes bust, the medical center goes bust. But when you have those venture capital firms built into it who are looking not just to treat cancer, but to create the new breakthrough medical device or pharmaceutical chemical compound or the big new thing that's going to make people a lot of money. That is something that our region needs. It's something we don't necessarily have yet. And I'm just really excited about all the potential that exists in the Helix. I love seeing that, right? We are known as the city for medical healthcare. We have one of the best hospitals, if not the best hospital systems and medical centers in the nation. So I love seeing this. Now, do you know what kind of research do we know what's going to be done there, Evan? Uh, well, you know, they're saying that they're going to be doing a lot of therapeutic antibody development, a lot of work on cancer research. But, and that's what we're really known for at the Texas Medical Center. But you're looking for something new. And the hope is that when you get a whole bunch of researchers together, they'll find something that folks hadn't thought of before. It's kind of like the Silicon Valley dynamic when you have all these different folks in the field naturally interacting together. And, you know, it's not just the, the research buildings that they've got coming online, but there's also going to be a residential tower, a hotel, mixed use commercial facilities, really just like a mini city for healthcare research and innovation. 
I hope none of our listeners or y'all ever have to go there and use the facilities there. But when you do go there, it's incredible to see just how big it is, how many things you have to pick from, how many hospitals, the research, the state of the art technology, the great doctors. And this just adds to it. And I love that. And Shell, do you ever go down there and just look at the buildings and just see how many hospitals there are? Um, no, I don't. Hospitals equal sick people and death. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I am not marveling at the uh, hospital infrastructure, but I... <laughs> <laughs> but I'm appreciative of them if something ever is to go wrong and then I'm in, in that realm. But no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the medical center. You just drive down there and you're just blown away by it. Like to me, it is the best in the nation, right? And you just see how many different companies, hospitals, buildings there are and you just appreciate it so much. You know, my family and I, we like to ride our bikes along Bray's Bayou through the medical center. And now I'm thinking maybe we need to take a little off ramp and just check out the parks that are going to be part of the Helix. Mm, that would be cool to see you know, how cool they are. And I love that, that they're putting parks in there as well. Mm -hmm. My biggest story comes from Houston Public Media. And this is a story that we've talked about so much, not only on our Friday episodes, but our uh, episodes as well about Harris County jails. Now, Harris County officials are expected to address continued overcrowding and understaffing within the county jail during a meeting with state officials. Now, since September 7th of 2022, the Harris County Jail has continuously violated statewide safety standards for not providing timely medical care, keeping people in holding cells for longer than legal limit, and insufficient staffing within the facility. Officials with the Texas Commission on Jail Standards have previously warned the county that they could face state intervention if the laundry list of issues within the troubled facility aren't remedied. This year, 15 inmates have already died and 27 last year. Now, Harris County has taken steps, y'all, to increase pay to hopefully keep staff on board. They've added more specialists on site as well. But I think this just comes down to one thing, not enough space. And this is going to be an issue until we figure out what to do. And hopefully state officials can step in and provide some solutions because we can't right now, it looks like, with Harris County. You know, uh, as long as I can remember, the jails had problems. You can go back to 2008 when we came under uh, federal scrutiny for similar problems. And often the solution was just getting people out of the jail quicker. You know, it, there have been recommendations at the county to say that the district attorney should be dismissing old, low-level cases. If the person's waiting around, waiting behind bars, waiting for trial, and just nothing happens, they don't reoffend. dismiss the case. It's fine. And same behind bars. You got folks there. You can look at the jail dashboard. Half of the people there are being held on nonviolent offenses. About 20% are being held on cash bail of $10,000 or less, meaning if they had a 1000 bucks in their pocket, they could get out. I think we need to put a little more scrutiny on why people are stuck in this terrible building to begin with. Agree. You guys, it's not it's not fun finding out that a, a family member is unalive in jail. And um, my uncle, unfortunately, was found dead in jail and, and he was there on a minor minor charge. This was a very mm -hmm. long time ago. So this is really bad and it's not changing. It's getting worse. Mm -hmm. And like Evan said, we got to get the people who don't really necessarily have to be there. Get them out. Let's just move on. Yeah. We gotta figure this out. Yeah, for sure.
Let's go to our most overlooked story. Aunt Rochelle, hit me with it. All right. So I'm I'm sad, you guys, because of a beloved Third Ward Bakery, who has been a staple in the community for over two decades, is set to close its doors for good by the end of the year. Uh, Miss Myrtle's Bakery Shop, once known as Not Just Donuts on the corner of Gray and Dialing, is shutting down. And this is due to the rising costs and changing neighborhood. If you're unfamiliar with Miss Myrtle's shop, um, this is a family-owned, three-generations-owned shop. They had the best cakes, baby. They had the best cakes. They had these wonderful donuts. They're also known for making thousands of gingerbread houses in the community every year for Christmas. And they're now shutting down um, due to the rising costs. If you're not aware, once COVID hit, this took a very bad turn for the bakery. And Miss Myrtle passed away in 2021. And the daughters just, they just could never really recover. They have gone from selling massive full cakes to now slices of cakes and they cannot maintain with that type of changes. So mm. yeah, that is heartbreaking. Yeah. Because you know uh, what they've done, you know, the good they've done in the community and, and to know that they just, they just can't keep up. It, it just really breaks your heart. They're just doing a last heave ho through the holiday season and they don't think they're, they're set to not open um, in the new year. Yeah, Aunt Rochelle, to lay it out just like you did, they, you know, the owners talked about this. They said new housing developments have altered the demographics of the area, leading to an increase in monthly rent and a shift in the customer base. So as a result, the bakery has been forced to raise its prices to accommodate the changing economic environment. But by doing that, they lost all their loyal customers. So it's a vicious cycle. And there is the cost of gentrification, of increasing you know, properties and revamping neighborhoods. And this is what happens. Little local businesses go out because of the changing economic development. And I wonder if there's an opportunity there to try to get those new neighbors in the door and say, listen, we've been here for a while. We've got great products. You know, prices are up a little bit and y'all should pay it. Y'all should be buying our stuff. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it's just neighborhoods change and that's a real big problem, but it's also a real big opportunity in a place like Houston. And, you know, you lose some things, you gain some things and you always hope that it's a net positive. You know, Evan, you know, you said the right thing. What if they tried to get the new people in the neighborhood into the school, right? Yeah. Well, you have to understand that uh, a bakery like this has been living mm-hmm. off of word of mouth, right? Mm. Neighborhood is changing, right? The people who have kept you alive by word of mouth, they're no longer there. So now the, this yeah. type of bakery needs to evolve into the modern day marketing, right? This this bakery mm-hmm. has also been featured on TLC in a bakery uh, show, right? But that was how long ago, you know? So uh, mm. I do think some creative marketing could definitely keep this bakery alive. But at this point, do they even have the budget for that? No, that's a good question. But, you know, sometimes maybe coverage like this, maybe the news coverage of it shutting down can give it the boost it needs to survive. Well, good. I'm glad. I, I'm glad this was important enough to me to let our viewers and listeners Uh, Not just to me, but to Houston and the third world community. This also makes me sad, guys, because um, I have been trying to avoid the conversation that third world is being um, a part of the gentrification. And it is right. And these like this, let me know that 
okay, girl, get wrap it around your brain. It's happening. Yeah, it is happening. And we'll see what happens with Miss Myrtle's bakery. And you're right, Evan, maybe this coverage amplifies what's happening. And maybe they find a new spot. Maybe they continue where they are because of all this press coverage. I've seen it all over. So we wish them the best of luck. And here's hoping we get a big cake from them. I like that. <laughs> Evan, what's your most overlooked story? So I want to bring some national politics back to Houston. We have a new Speaker of the House in Congress, Mike Johnson. Not a lot of people know all too much about him. A lot of interesting reporting on him, including that he once tried to open a law school named after Paul Pressler, the Houston Republican politician, judge, and conservative activist who is now entangled in litigation over him raping a 14-year-old boy and the resulting cover-up by First Baptist Church and his former law partner, Jared Woodfill, who served as chairman of the Harris County Republican Party for a long, long time. What happened? Back in August 2007, Louisiana College announced plans to open a big new law school. And the law school is named after Paul Pressler and future speaker Mike Johnson was named dean of the Pressler School of Law. But the school never opened its doors. The building they bought was filled with asbestos. There's a lot of scandal and the school eventually lost its accreditation and Johnson resigned as dean. But I just want to point out that Pressler's habit of molesting young men was well known before all of this. And he really is the Jeffrey Epstein of Texas politics. And it shouldn't be too much of a surprise to see another politician on his flight list, so to speak. And this just seems like something that I wish were bigger news. And it hasn't been. Wow, I did not know that. Thanks for tying it back. And we're learning a little bit more about Mike Johnson. I did see SNL spoof on him a little bit about like how he's an AI generated speaker <laughs> of the house, right? Because nobody knows who he is. And it's such a generic name. So yeah, yeah, we're learning more and more about him. And yeah, there's a lot of shady stuff there. Mm -hmm. there, there really is. Okay, my most overlooked story of the week. And this is a very personal story for me, because a year ago, one of our close friends, had a stroke two weeks after giving birth to her second child. She did later pass away six months later, and she became yet another statistic in the maternal mortality rate numbers in Texas. Well, Texas will soon have four new maternal health research centers that will pilot innovative solutions to the state's maternal mortality and morbidity crisis, which is negatively impacting people of color more than anybody else. Now, the U.S. Health and Human Service Department is funding 16 centers nationwide. Texas will have four of them at UT Rio Grande, UT Arlington, Texas Southern University, and Texas A&M. And each school, here's a cool part, will focus on an aspect for care for new moms, from mental health to sending nurses to houses. This program aims to cut maternal debts and provide resources for moms and families across Texas, especially for the uninsured population areas. So I'm so happy to see this, that we are taking steps not only here in Texas, but nationwide. It's a beautiful thing. And here's hoping that the maternal debts after those really cut in half, if not zero, right? Like I would love to see that, but I love that we're taking steps. Yeah, that really makes me really, mm -hmm. really happy to hear this, Raheel, because even when I had my own birth of my only begotten son, I almost delayed his birth because I was definitely afraid of dying because I was reading about the uh, maternal mortality rates and how black women have aneurysms more than any other race because we're pushing wrong. 
or how the, how they're not paying attention, right? To when they're saying, mm-hmm. hey, I don't really feel right or something's wrong. They're just like, get the baby out. Let's go, you know? So this mm-hmm. makes me so happy. And I'm so glad to hear this. And thanks for sharing this story. No, it's heartening to see that we're really finally doing something to tackle this problem that has just been so awful, you know, not just nationwide, but in Texas specifically. But you just got to point out that in states where you have these significant abortion restrictions, you also see significantly higher maternal and infant mortality rates. And there's reason to believe that there is some sort of connection between trying to restrict abortion and, and you end up restricting access to other maternal and infant childcare services. And so you wish that the state, that policymakers would look at this from a holistic perspective on what it means to be pro-life. One last thing on this, I was shocked to learn that a lot of the deaths come because of mental health, right? Just the overwhelming act of like, you have a kid now and you have to take care of him and you might not have enough money for this. And there's so many issues that come afterwards. Um, it, It was an interesting read. I've linked the story, of course, in our show notes. You guys can learn more about it. But yeah, there's so many layers to this. And here's hoping that we, again, cut this to zero. That would be awesome. Okay, let's get to our moment of joy. And Shell, start us off. Okay, so I really tried not to do this, but I'm sorry. My my only begotten son, Axel Nova, is continuing to bring me so much joy because he is really rocking out and killing kindergarten, right? So as you know, this week, this past week was Halloween, and they had character day at school. And I wanted to go, oh, we could be the cat in the hat comes back. Oh, you could be thing one. Oh, you could be a dinosaur, right? Of all the books that he's read, um, and he went upstairs and came down and said, I want to be this book. And the book is entitled Black Boy Be You by Latasha Martin. And guess what? He decided he wanted to be himself with his fluffy hair and all. And I was so proud. His teacher sent me a video of the character day parade and all the kids were walking around in their costumes with their books. And my son was walking proudly yelling, black boy be you. (laughs) And I just, I, I cannot tell you how proud I am of him, you know, his brilliance and most importantly, his confidence. And his high self-esteem, and if you've ever met his mother, ladies and gentlemen, um, he gets it from her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is so cool to hear. Mm-hmm. I love those book parades, and I love that he wants to be himself, which, young man, keep that up the rest of your life, because you be you, and you're going to do great. All right, Evan, let's get to you. What is your moment of joy? Oh, my moment of joy has been watching the Colony Ridge conspiracy theories going bust. You can't help but laugh at watching all of this collapse. For those who haven't been following it, there's been a growing obsession with the Colony Ridge housing development in Liberty County, north of Houston. Massive 50,000-person exurban sprawl. The sort of stuff that makes Houston great. But for some reason, I still can't quite understand. People have been led to believe that it is filled with drug cartels and illegal immigrants and this and that. And so uh, Greg Abbott threw the topic onto the special session agenda. Well, they've been having hearings and reporters have been going into neighborhoods and they found it's just another housing development. It's just filled with people. That's all it is. 
You know, you had the DPS director saying that it doesn't have a crime problem. It just has a growth problem. You had a whole lot of homes going up and, you know, the local government hasn't added law enforcement as necessary, but it doesn't have any more or less crime than anywhere else in the state. So it looks out what may happen is that the state will just throw some extra funding for DPS to patrol the region. Meanwhile, a whole bunch of folks who live in the neighborhood who thought of themselves as hardcore Republicans have found themselves pushed out of the party as they've desperately tried to explain to people that like, no, this is just a normal housing development. There's nothing weird or conspiratorial or drug related or cartel related going on here. And, you know, you've been watching this the whole time from the outside, knowing that this was going to happen. You can't help but laugh. And this is the power of journalism, power of actually doing some research. And you find out that, yeah, it's just a neighborhood. That's it. There's nothing else here. And you can mm-hmm. read that story. It was a fascinating read. Oh, yeah, it's been great. And I want to give you know credit to some national reporters, the Washington Post coming down to report on this. Texas Monthly had an excellent piece on it. And the Texan, a right of center publication, had an honest assessment, too. So credit to them for that. But for all of the you know Twitter trolls and think tank nut jobs who have been blowing up the story, I've got to say, don't trust them in the future. They clearly have no idea what they're talking about. All right. My moment of joy. I love seeing stories where we have solutions instead of punishment. Harris County Sheriff's Office is launching a new pilot program to give repair vouchers instead of tickets for broken lights. Instead of a ticket, eligible drivers in the East Aldine area will get vouchers of up to $250 to repair broken vehicle lights at participating auto shops. Now, all they have to do is take this voucher to eligible auto shops and they will get those lights fixed. And I love this quote from Sheriff Ed Gonzalez. For some families, a broken taillight or turn signal can sometimes mean choosing between a minor auto repair and buying groceries. A citation for these minor offenses can lead to future and further financial strain. So this program will help solve some of that. And I love that there's a conversation. There is a solution instead of just another ticket and getting mad at the local law enforcement. So kudos to them. That brought me a lot of joy. Yeah, that made me smile. You know, I don't mess with the police. I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm grinning ear to ear hearing that, you know, all too often we think that, well, the criminal justice system works by bopping people on the nose. And I I remember my law professor called it dog law. But if the goal is to make sure that people have turn signals that work, well, why don't we just help them get turn signals that work? Yep. Solutions. I love solutions. Mm -hmm. And Trishel, Evan, thank Mm -hmm. you so much. That was a lot of fun. A great way to end the week. I appreciate y'all joining me. Of course. See you next time. See y'all next time. I love it. That was Antrochelle Nova and Evan Mintz. You can read all the stories we discuss with the links in our show notes. That will do it for this week here on CityCast Houston. Our lead producer is Dina Kesper. Our producer is Carleon Jones. Our newsletter editor is Brooke Lewis. And the host is me, Raheel Ramzanali. Our music is by the band All the Kimonos. We'll be back on Monday with a look at why we could experience blackouts during the winter months. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. Now, the U.S. Health and Humane, or Humane Human,